I would say that would be the similar thing with your kids. You're actually inviting them to join you in your journey of finding greater Christ identity, centering your life in increasing measure. It's a come with me. Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue, and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. Today is the conclusion of our three-week podcast series on our Christ identity. It has been wonderful. Today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the obstacles we may find in walking in our Christ identity. If you haven't heard the first two in the series, I encourage you to go back to listen to podcast number 58 and 59. It will give you the basis for today. So, Thanks for being here, and don't forget to stay till the end to hear the many things that God tells us about ourselves. I was surprised and encouraged, so I encourage you to hear those and take them to heart. So let's hop in with Matt Larson now as he talks to us and encourages us, even in our obstacles as we walk in this Christ identity. I'd like to talk for a minute about the identity in Christ and pridefulness. Yeah. I imagine that some may carry that saying, oh, I'm a child of God and I'm special, yeah. <laughs> which is not very mature. I mean, we are special. What do you think about that? And can pridefulness come into our vision of ourselves as child of God? Yeah. Yeah, It well, it definitely can. I would say it's a wrong view of a Christ identity to have pride, that kind of sinful pride come from it. Paul talks often about, I boast in Christ. There is an element of, this is the good news. I'm, I'm a transformed person. Paul could say, I'm the chief of sinners. And he actually says, he tells Timothy, the trustworthy statement that Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I'm the foremost. Now, is Paul making the theological argument that he is the literal biggest sinner in the world? Or is he actually giving every human being who ever reads this the ability to say, Jesus came to save sinners, I'm the worst of them. I can say that, you can say that, and anybody can say that. Jesus saves sinners of whom I'm the foremost. And that posture actually changes our, our approach to Christ identity, where it's like, look, I needed this. I was drowning. I was lost. I was broken. And the Lord came into my life and rescued me. One of my friends, Andy Rogers, uses the picture of uh, somebody drowning in a pool and a lifeguard saving them. And the person gets out of the pool, sputtering and water coming out of their mouth. And they're just a you know, soaked, wet cat kind of a look. And they they stand up and just say, do you see what I just did? <laughs> like to have pride in that moment is the wrong response. Mm-hmm. Just got saved. And I was the recipient of that salvation. I was not the savior in that scenario. And so the pride is still pointing to the savior, not mm-hmm. to what I've accomplished or what I now have. So mm-hmm. it would be Satan entering into our thinking and tweaking what we're boasting in to boast in ourselves rather than to boast in Christ. Mm-hmm. The boast in Christ is one of those environments where you could be in any situation. You could be talking about just like a sinful way of life in the world, going through all the worst things. You could be talking about depression. You could be talking about anxiety. You could be talking about any of those things. And there's just this sense of, of like, I, I may not be going through that same thing, but I can tell you this. Jesus entered into my brokenness. 
And I, I can't know everybody's brokenness. I don't know everybody's story. I, I don't know all the things that have happened to you. I know the things that happened to me. I know the bad choices that I made. I know the broken context that I grew up in. And all I know is I was in desperate need of a savior. And Jesus came into that and he flicked me out of it. And, and so now I boast in him because it's like, I'm experiencing a completely different life because of what Jesus accomplished with me. And I do boast in that. I'm a different person today than I was 25 years ago because of Jesus. That's not what I did. That's what he did. And this is what that transformation has looked like. It's good news. And he can, he can do that same work in you. So yes, it can create pride, but spiritual pride is, is maybe one of those, like it's Romans too. It's, it's, it's Paul talking about, we all fall short of the glory of God. Even you judge, like stop. That's the falling short of the glory of God. That's not being filled by the glory of God. So mm-hmm. Any spiritual pride would would fall into the category of of not a uh, a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're talking to families out there that are living their family life, and sometimes they're overwhelmed. Sometimes things are going smooth. So, if we have some of the family who are believers and have a Christ identity, and they are living with people in their family who don't, how does that work? So. Every circumstance, there's the ideal and then there's the, the less than ideal situation. You know, like you could even just say there are sometimes that the Bible might talk to families and it might expect a nuclear family, husband, wife, kids situation. And so often people will read the scriptures and be like, well, that, that's not my situation. But the Bible does talk to a lot of broken situations and it brings in when uh, there's an unbelieving spouse. It brings in when there's wayward kids or shipwrecked faith, or it talks about people who have gone a different direction. I guess my encouragement to people in that situation where you have your identity centered on Jesus, and maybe there are people in your family that don't, there are things that you can control and there are things that you can't. You can't control how other people respond to the gospel. That's in the category of fruit, and you can't create fruit. The Spirit creates fruit in us, we can't actually generate that fruit. And so then you just have to narrow down what are the things that I can control? What are the things that I can bring to the table in my Christ identity? And as a church, we've focused on two. I, there might be more, but I'll just share two things that, that maybe I'd encourage you in that situation to really focus in on. One is humility and the other is obedience. Uh, you can control your own humility. And what I mean by that is you can remind yourself of your gospel identity, your, your Christ identity. You can walk in the power of confession and repentance and forgiveness and actually then walking in the light of forgiveness. You can experience the love of God and you can be a blessing. Those things are, are this, this humble reception of the words that God has spoken over you and living. So part of living your Christ identity is that humility to live it out. And then your obedience. What has Christ asked of you? As you think about Jesus and the, and the things that he's asked of you, what are the things that you can do to be obedient to that. The commands in the New Testament are many. There are actual commands in the New Testament for you to obey. Um, but disciple-making, uh, walking in grace, loving uh, in the way that Christ loved you, welcoming in the way that God has welcomed you, forgiving in the way that God has forgiven you, these are the kinds of commands that you can walk in. You can't mandate that somebody else forgives you the way that Christ forgave them but you can forgive them the way that Christ forgave you. You can only control you. And I love that Paul even says that. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. And he's so careful to just say like, you can only control you in this environment. 
So what does it look like for you to say yes in this particular situation? And that's humility and obedience. And when you think about that, it does create this space in a household uh, where maybe not everybody is walking with Jesus and, and centering their identity on Christ. You can say, hey, these are the things that I can do in, in myself that will spill out, will affect these other people, but I can't make them uh, find their identity in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's very helpful. Thanks. Okay. And our final question, Matt, thank you, by the way, for being here. I'm so grateful. So here's the final question. Can we lead our kids to identity in Christ? How can we help them grow? What, as a father, as a parent, as a leader of people toward Jesus, what would you say? I think the answer is yes. I say that with that little question mark at the end of my yes, because they, they do have to be participants. You can't, you can't make them, but you can lead them towards it. And the thing that I would encourage you with is uh, when we started Anthem, the church we lead is called Anthem Church. And when we started Anthem, we really didn't want people to come to Anthem Church. We wanted people to come with Anthem Church. The church isn't a destination for people to come to. It's the actual body of Christ living on mission together as the people of God. And so when we're inviting people into this, we're inviting them into a trajectory, into a progression of life together, mission together, sanctification together, that type of a thing. And as parents, I would say that would be the similar thing with your kids. You're actually inviting them to join you in your journey of finding greater Christ identity, centering your life in increasing measure. It's a come with me. And I think there are things that will oftentimes help really bring that picture to clarity, like taking them backpacking or camping or road trips or just those, those like living, breathing metaphors of come with us. And it's like, look, we're driving the car and you guys are in the car, but the reality is someday you're going to be driving your kids. Like there's a, there's a passing on of our faith that come with us as we go on this journey. But as parents, you can't expect your kids to go somewhere that you're not passionately running after. And so there's just that sense of don't set up a household of expectation that they would be passionate Jesus followers if you yourself aren't running after Jesus. And so that's the come with me because I'm going to be running after Jesus. And kids, I want you in this journey with me. It's going to be good but, and it's going to be full of adventure and there's joy in it, but it's a come with us, not a, all right, kids, get on this and, and make sure that happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. Matt, I can't thank you enough. This has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. And I am so grateful for you taking your time out to be with us and speak to our parents out there and i'm sure they are grateful too so thank you my pleasure all right we'll see you again sounds good bye Lori. okay bye oh the series has been so great and now it's time for the bonus and that is i am going to read you a pretty long list of things that god says about you when you are in christ I'm reading from a list from a Bible study by Priscilla Scherer called The Armor of God, and she says she doesn't know where she got the list, but it's scripture itself. Every time it says I, I want you to substitute your name and make it very personal. So here we go. I am a child of God, John 1.12. I have peace with God, Romans 5.1. The Holy Spirit lives in me, 1 Corinthians 3.16. I have access to God's wisdom, James 1.5. I am helped by God, Hebrews 
I am reconciled to God, Romans 5.12. I am not condemned by God, Romans 8.1. I am justified, Romans 5.1. I have Christ's righteousness, Romans 5.19 and 2 Corinthians 5.21. I am Christ's ambassador, 2 Corinthians 5.20. I am completely forgiven, Colossians 1.14. I am tenderly loved by God. Jeremiah 31.3. I am the sweet fragrance of Christ to God. 2 Corinthians 2.15. I am a temple in which God dwells. 1 Corinthians 3.16. I am blameless and beyond reproach. Colossians 1.22. I am the salt of the earth. Matthew 5.13. I am the light of the world. Matthew 5.14. I am a branch on Christ's vine. John 15.1 and 5. I am Christ's friend, John 15, 15. I am chosen by Christ to bear fruit, John 15, 16. I am a joint heir with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him, Romans 8, 17. I am united to the Lord, one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. I am a member of Christ's body, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. I am a saint, Ephesians 1, 1. I am hidden with Christ in God, Colossians 3.3. 3. I am chosen by God, holy and dearly loved, Colossians 3.12. I am a child of the light, 1 Thessalonians 5.5. 5. I am holy and I share in God's heavenly calling, Hebrews 3.1. I am sanctified, Hebrews 2.11. I am one of God's living stones being built up in Christ as a spiritual house, 1 Peter 2.5. I am a member of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession and created to sing his praises. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. I am firmly rooted and built up in Christ. Colossians 2, 7. I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. 1 John 5, 18. I have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 16. I may approach God with boldness, freedom, and confidence. Ephesians 3.12 I have been rescued from Satan's domain and transferred into the kingdom of Christ. Colossians 1.13 I have been made complete in Christ. Colossians 2.10 I have been given a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. 2 Timothy 1.17 I have been given great and precious promises by God. 2 Peter 1.4 my needs are met by God, Philippians 4, 19. I am a prince in God's kingdom, John 1, 12, 1 Timothy 6, 15. I have been bought with a price, and I belong to God, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. I have been adopted as God's child, Ephesians 1, 5. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 2, 18. I am assured that all things are working together for good. Romans 8.28 I am free from any condemning charges against me. Romans 8.31 I cannot be separated from the love of God. Romans 8.35 I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. 2 Corinthians 1.21 and 22 I am confident that the good work that God has begun in me will be perfected. Philippians 1.6 I am a citizen of heaven, Philippians 3.20. I am a personal witness of Christ's, Acts 1.8. 8. 
I am God's co-worker, 2 Corinthians 6, 1, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realm, Ephesians 2, 6. I am God's workmanship, Ephesians 2, 10. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, Philippians 4, 13. And how about that for a partial list of the benefits of being a child of God? Review these and just think about what God has done and who you are in Christ. And may you rest in Jesus' promises this week. Mm-hmm.